Welcome back for another Naval History edition of the Proceedings Podcast, brought to you by the generosity of the William Wood Foundation. I'm Eric Mills, the Editor-in-Chief of Naval History Magazine, and today we're going to go back 80 years to when the Battle of the Atlantic was still raging in 1943. Um, now, there are a lot of vivid images that come from this in terms of accounts, first-hand accounts. Uh, there was some rough seas in more ways than ones, but one, folks, but the images we have to look at today come courtesy of an artist who also served, like so many professions during that war, everybody from bricklayers to baseball players and everyone in between uh, rallied to the cause. And that included the artists of the world as well. And we're fortunate for history that the artist who was in the Battle of the Atlantic is the artist laureate of the Coast Guard. And he was a brilliant artist, actually, of that Howard Pyle School, NCY School, early 20th century, um, beautiful book illustration, one of my favorite uh, genres of art. So naturally, um, I'm thrilled to see that sort of artistry applied to as um, important an event as the Battle of the Atlantic. And here to tell us all about this and this amazing um, artist who saw combat uh, at the same time, who was capturing the images around him is the Atlantic Area Historian for the U.S. Coast Guard, William Thiessen. Bill, welcome aboard. Thanks for joining us. Happy to be here. Thanks, Eric. Uh, good to be with you. So um, the Coast Guard landed quite a good artist laureate in World War II. Why don't you tell us a little about whom we're talking about here? So Anton Otto Fischer was uh, orphaned at a young age um, from Germany, and he decided to to uh, start a life on, on the ocean and to, um, because his stepfather originally was from, was a ship captain, he decided to start out a life um, on the sea and did coastal and local uh, sailing in the European area. But uh, then he went to the high sea, sailed over the Atlantic, sailed up the Pacific coast of the US. And so he did uh, quite a bit of high sea sailing as well. Um, and that was the inspiration for him becoming an artist later in life. Um, so he studied with um, some of the noted artists in New York City before going to Paris to actually study art uh, on his own painting and then returned to the U.S. to uh, become a, a student of Howard Pyle and to learn the, uh, the, that um, style of illustration, which he used and was uh, quite popular for book illustration, periodicals, magazines, um, throughout the uh, early 20th century mm -hmm. uh, in the U.S. Yeah, his uh, work graces the um, pages of many a classic book. We're talking before we went on here about uh, illustrated works by Jack London, uh, various others as well. Um, I've always been a fan of this uh, school of art, and so. To me, this really resonates. I mean, we look at a lot of good nautical art here at uh, the Institute and in the, in the magazine. And every now and then someone comes along who takes it to another level of uh, the movement, the light, the capturing of the waves, the uh, expressions on the faces of the people. Um, this all very uh, visibly brings to life the Battle of the Atlantic in almost a more timeless way than a photograph can. And I think it's interesting you point out that the sea was at the very beginning of his pursuit of art. It's not like he was an artist who found this niche. The sea was in his blood and then he became an artist. 
And that's maybe that's why he captures it so well. But why don't you um, tell us about his uh, journey from successful illustrator slash artist to his service in World War II? Well, I think a lot of people today don't realize that um, prior to World War II, illustrations were sometimes the finest color representations of subject matter in uh, American publications, magazines in particular, such as the uh, Saturday Evening Post. And so uh, a lot of artists made a, a very good living uh, becoming illustrators for various publications in the U.S., including books. Um, and so Anton Otto Fisher became noted primarily for his maritime subject matter, although he illustrated a variety of different uh, sub subjects for these publications. Um, and so he was well known by the time World War II came along, and the Coast Guard actually decided under uh, the Commandant, Russell Weishi, that they were interested in trying to illustrate wartime scenes uh, from the Coast Guard. And so as a result, they did a, a rather large campaign, not only to uh, recruit artists to uh, illustrate and represent what um, the frontline action looked like, but they also recruited a, a considerable number of photojournalists uh, from the uh, uh, newspaper field. And some of those went on to photograph some of the iconic images that you see from World War II from uh, the naval and maritime side, especially D-Day and some of the amphibious operations in the Pacific. However, Anton Otto Fisher was well known by Russell Weishi prior to his visit to the um, Coast Guard headquarters in 1943. Um, the uh, commandant invited him to come and, and dine with uh, with him at headquarters, um, have lunch, and uh, so they talked. And the same day that uh, Weishi and Fisher had lunch, that afternoon, um, Fisher was commissioned a lieutenant commander in the Coast Guard Reserve um, to be a combat artist for the uh, service. And within a month or six weeks, he was already given orders to deploy on board one of the Coast Guard's uh, convoy escorts, a cutter by the name of Campbell, which is where you see a lot of these renderings and paintings uh, or originated from. Now, the Campbell gets into uh, quite a tangle in your narrative. Um, by the way, folks, you can read all about this in Naval History Online. The article is called Eyewitness to the Battle of the Atlantic. Uh, and as you can imagine, it's profusely illustrated with uh, some very colorful imagery, as well as the um, quite a sea story as well. It's not just an art gallery. Um, the Campbell gets into quite a uh, fracas with the U-606, I believe it is. Why don't we tell about that? The uh, So Fisher actually deployed on the convoy outbound to from um, the East Coast to the UK and uh, didn't encounter too much trouble on that. Uh, leg of the trip, but on the return trip, uh, outbound from the UK to the East Coast, they encountered a really large uh, wolf pack uh, just a few days out from uh, uh, ports in the UK. And as a result, the uh, Campbell was tangling with up to six different U-boats uh, 
in its uh, attempt to protect the convoy. And it was convoy ON-166 meeting uh, outbound to North America 166. Uh, at the same time, they were not only battling the uh, enemy, but the Campbell and uh, with Fisher on board was also battling the elements. There was a, a, a really bad gale storm that was taking place while they were underway, scattered a lot of the uh, ships from the convoy. And so when the uh, Campbell first started its escorts, um, it encountered a U-boat while it was um, trying to get the crew off of a, a tanker. This was the 20th of February, 1943. Uh, damaged the U-boat, got the crew off, and then proceeded at, uh, at flank speed to join the rest of the convoy. Uh, it battled a number of U-boats on the way to getting back to the main body of the ships. And uh, when it arrived there, another U-boat, U-606, had already sunk two ships in the convoy uh, damaged another, and it uh, had actually incurred its own damage at the same time. It had to surface due to the damage it had uh, received from depth charges. And so this battle took place on the surface between the Campbell and the U-606 um, on the in the very early hours of February 21st in the dark. Can you imagine? They, uh, they uh, correct me if, uh, if I uh, they ram the U-boat, do they not? That's correct. All you know, the entire time this was taking place, Fisher was on board and sketching a lot of these scenes the best he could under uh, combat conditions. So a lot of this was eyewitness uh, imagery that was later painted in color. The U six oh six was attacking with his deck gun and trying to sink more uh, merchant ships. Campbell uh, went to flank speed to ram, and uh, as a result, it did a glancing blow on the uh, on the U-boat. And as a result, the the planes that were in, that uh, steer the boat in the vertical sea uh, element actually uh, gouged a hole in the engine room spaces of Campbell, so water began to flow inside the uh, ship while it was battling this U-boat. Uh, all guns were brought to bear, uh, searchlights were flipped on, and uh, as a result, the uh, main guns, primarily in the stern of the uh, cutter, were brought to bear on the U-boat. I think the, the uh, aft gun poured about 30 rounds into the conning tower and the um, fuselage of U-606, and uh, was devastating fire that decimated the crew that was on deck trying to fight back with the uh, submarine's deck gun. Hmm. That's quite a lot to be going on while you're also uh, sketching illustrations of the action. Uh, it boggles the mind. I mean, just to be there in the thick of it, um, regardless of that, and then you add that extra layer of creativity on top of it. Um, th there's a certain extra courage to that in a way um, that speaks well of the uh, spirit of the artist, I think. Uh, it, these... You know, Fisher was an old salt. When they were going uh, steaming through the storm and the uh, gale, he was actually enjoying himself. And a lot of members, his shipmates on board the uh, Campbell were actually seasick and, and uh, incapacitated by the weather conditions. 
So he was probably one of the best choices to be a combat artist for the Coast Guard because he was actually uh, adept at interpreting and uh, recording this this combat action while it was underway. Um, and it was truly one of the probably one of the most um, dramatic uh, combat events in uh, escorts uh, that the Coast Guard had during World War II. That's pleasantly ironic in a way. Um, you, the, it kind of flips the conventional narrative you would predict where you got the old salts, you know, the grizzled salts on there, you know, uh, sea weathered and sea worthy. And then there, among them is this artist who's been assigned to chronicle the events. And to, they're probably, you know, you'd think, oh, here's the effete artist um, taken from his loft and comfort in the city. And he's out here in the bounding main with us. Yeah, he himself is the saltier, saltier one. Uh, well, he he's, he knows what it is to be on choppy seas. So <laughs> it's rather ironic too, because you know he was born and raised. His early life was uh, Germany, and he actually spoke with a very heavy German accent. And when Weishi decided he wanted to make Fisher a combat artist for the Coast Guard, the Coast Guard Intelligence Office had some misgivings about uh, bringing aboard a an escort just because they thought that he might be a security risk um, but way she overruled that and uh, had him deploy with uh, the Campbell anyway so it must have been pretty interesting when the Campbell finally prevailed and the uh, u-boat um, gave up commander ordered abandoned ship there were only five members of uh, u606's crew that survived at that point in the uh the duel between the cutter and the u-boat and uh, they were brought on board the cutter and here was anton fisher who was german uh, i'm sure speaking uh fluent german to these uh these pow's that had just been brought on board it, it might have been shocking to them i'm not sure but it was an interesting and, and ironic situation they probably weren't expecting that um they they uh board you know vanquished and defeated but rescued and uh here's somebody speaking their native language uh i can understand why they'd be a little leery of that in the uh in, in the time of war but um you don't get any sense that he uh he, he i mean he came here and did he ever he didn't ever go back to germany or anything i think he became like very much an american uh you know once he got here like so many people did at that time um yeah he was uh, a huge new york yankees fan that's right it was yankees cigars yeah. and poker right yeah he embraced the american lifestyle and his home was was near woodstock and uh, it was kind of a, a community of artists at that time as it would become later on for musicians for example so he uh he really was one of the original creative uh people that that inhabited that space and that's where a studio uh where he moved his studio to as well to kingston and uh so all of the sketches that he pr produced during the uh the convoy escort duty he uh, went back to his studio and was still on on orders when he was painting in his studio as a uh, reserve lieutenant commander and then these paintings later became part of the coast guard collection but like I said, Weishi and actually uh, Public Affairs Division of the Coast Guard at that time thought that 
combat artists, photojournalists were some of the best people to have on board for recruiting, as well as for uh, uh, propaganda such as posters and for war drive uh, imagery and illustrations. In fact, it's true because you can see in this collection of images, and we actually have quite a few more in the Coast Guard collection, that um, these are very rich and, and uh, detailed color representations of what it was like to be in this uh, sort of combat action. And if you look at the imagery from World War II, virtually all of it is black and white photographs. So uh, except when you get to the end of, of the war, when you do see some color uh, films, maybe some color um, photographs, but up until the later latter part of the war, it was primarily black and white. So this is a really rare piece of uh, art history because it's somebody who was an eyewitness to one of the most dramatic escort duties in uh, World War II combat. He was right there during... Um, a gun duel between a U-boat and a Coast Guard cutter. And uh, the U-boat was sunk and the cutter almost sank as well. It uh, lost all of its power when its engine space is flooded. And uh, Fisher and the rest of the people on board, the, the 50 crew members from the tanker that were rescued, the five German POWs and any non-essential crew all had to be uh, evacuated to other ships because uh, they were unsure that the Campbell would uh, would survive. It was dead in the water for four days before it was finally towed away to uh, Canada. But um, meantime, there was a skeleton crew trying to save the vessel before it uh, filled with water and sank, which fortunately they did. That's just it. I mean, it, it's one thing to have a um, combat artist on board, but to have a combat artist on board when a particularly... Um, actionful amount of combat combat occurs and it's like you can't plan that and mm -hmm. uh, it, it makes you it kind of begs the question there's so many other moments like that in this cataclysmic war that didn't have the combat artist right there and think of how much more vivid a picture we'd have of what we you know we know it from the, the records and whatnot we have a vivid picture but not a visual striking picture of it and uh, these, what you just said really resonates for me because that's especially through the black and whiteness, the monochrome quality of the images of World War II. That to me most fully applies to something like the Battle of the Atlantic. I, I think of all the images of these gray, dismal, bleak, choppy seas, um, these gray vessels um, pounding through there. And uh, it's the most black and white theater of the war I can think of. And to see it captured with such vivid color, I mean, it really does um, remind one of the sort of heroic style, classic story illustrations that he did for a living. Mm -hmm. uh, and the you know, classic novels he illustrated and the magazine covers he did. It's a, it's a rich period of art. And then to have that implanted on this very crucial part of the war, uh, you're right, it's a treasure trove. And it makes you wish there were more of those. Did he? Um, did they deploy him elsewhere in the war? I mean, is this the main th um, work we got from him of uh, sort of historical value from the conflict? Because um, sure, I know he's a yeah. prolific artist. Otherwise, he was prolific, and this collection is is the main work that he did. There are other pieces in the Coast Guard collection that I didn't 
select just because they weren't a part of this uh, convoy escort duty. However, he did do, I would say, another dozen or more um, paintings of life at sea with the Coast Guard that uh, are not necessarily associated with convoy duty. Um, but I would say that this, he was, ended his reserve career. He started in 43 and he was um, decommissioned in 1945. So he spent much of the uh, two years that he was a, a member of the reserves painting um, these images in his studio up in uh, Kingston. But this, I'm sure, was probably one of the highlights. In fact, it probably was the highlight of his career as an artist to be actually deployed on a combat vessel during combat action because that, like I said before, was his specialty, was maritime naval art. So it was really a, a chance to use his skill sets um, to the best of his ability. And um, I suspect he probably um, got a certain amount of excitement and reward out of out of doing this uh, duty for the coast guard yeah in fact um now that you mention it that way this makes sense that this could have been the very apotheosis of his artistic career because it mel melted the two worlds that he occupied the seafaring and the painting um in a very eventful moment on the sea and in history um well, he uh, continued to paint after the war. I mean, he, he lives all the way to like into the early 1960s, correct? And correct. Um, he continued to be prolific. Uh, I'd love, I'm, this has made me interested to look up more of his art and find out more about him. Uh, I believe his, was his wife an artist as well? So his wife was an artist. She was also the daughter of uh, the skipper of the uh, USS Maine, which was, of course, sunk in uh, Havana Harbor in Cuba, last name of Sigsby. Oh, sure. He had right. a naval background with his wife. Um, she was, of course, as I said before, an artist as well. Um, they had one daughter, and uh, I don't believe she ever married. All three are are uh, buried in Kingston, New York, at mm -hmm. the same cemetery there. Have um, you seen Have you seen Mary, Mary Ellen Sigsby Fisher? Have you seen any of her art? Is it a similar school of art or a different kind of approach? It's a similar school of art because they met when they were both students oh, right. at Howard Pyle. Right. So right. Uh, that's when they uh, met and they, and they married. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's similar. I, I don't believe she uh, was as uh, well-known in her artwork, and I'm not even familiar with I suspect she did illustrations, periodicals, and publications just like he did, but I'm not uh, familiar with which ones that she illustrated for. I'm sure the biggie for that for all the that school of arts was to get a Saturday evening post cover. I mean, mm -hmm. that's that's going to be the most wide dissemination of your work in America <laughs> at that point in time. Everybody got the Saturday evening post, and everybody loved those covers. Mm -hmm. I know they're highly collectible to this day. Um, sure, that was one of his primary publications. But if you go through some of the other combat artists that the Coast Guard has had uh, during World War II, most of them worked in uh, pencil and paper or pastels, black and white. Um, and others that did work in color uh, did not witness the sort of combat action that Fisher witnessed. I don't know if you're familiar with the artist Jacob Lawrence, later became a famed modernist painter but he was the combat artist on board the Sea Cloud 
his work is color as well, but they never experienced any combat. Mm -hmm. So um, he didn't uh, paint any of that. And some of those paintings are, are quite famous and are in our collection as well. Um, well, we're talking, I'm trying to, the Naval Institute Press years ago did a book. It's kind of a classic, uh, The Coast Guard of World War II. Mm -hmm. um, big volume, um, sort of a definitive work. And there's a beautiful painting from a Coast Guard combat artist on the cover of that book. And I'm going to go find a copy of it after we talk here. Cause now I think I'm, there's one behind you on your shelf, isn't there? Is it really? Yeah, up on the top shelf. Okay. Coast Guard World War II by Willoughby. Which way? Uh, up above third, the top shelf, over the other shoulder. Up on okay, top. folks, we're going to do something very unconventional here for the Naval History Podcast. <laughs> I'm going to get up from my MC's chair here. <laughs> History's being made as we speak. That's right. Isn't Where that just World War II on the top shelf? Ah! <laughs> All right, everybody out there in podcast land is thinking this was staged between Bill <laughs> and me, but it was not. That was an unscripted, unplanned event. It was serendipity and meant to be that this was behind me. But yeah, see, look at this. That's a that's a pretty neat shot right there. Let me see if I can get this on here. Oh, it's all glary. Right. You can't see it, but it's a great shot. You know, a storm in a yep. beach, guns blazing. That's Douglas Monroe, the Medal of Honor recipient at Guadalcanal. Okay, yes. Signaman First Class Douglas Monroe, USCG, possibly awarded Congressional Medal of Honor. Evacuating Marines at Guadalcanal, September 42. Painting by Bernard Dandria. Mm -hmm. Bernard Dandria. Yes. More great combat art. There you go. <laughs> and I highly recommend this book. Yeah, it's find cool. a copy of it. I'm, Bill already has it. I'm talking to people. <laughs> I've got several copies. <laughs> That's why I recognize the dust cover. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great picture, too. Well, um, I'm trying to think what else we could talk about with this, because uh, it's such a fascinating topic. Uh, do we know much more about him besides, you know, his seafaring and his art? I mean... Oh, yes, we do. I mean, I like the fact that um, he was so thoroughly Americanized. Uh, mm -hmm. The Yankees fan business, the cigars, the poker. Um, it's hard not to want to know what this, wish you'd known this guy, you know? He's sort of an all-rounder. He, he was really quite a character, in addition to what you've mentioned already. Um, he was a really proficient piano player. I have images of him playing the piano at home. So he is quite musical. Um, he was a, he was just a, a all around creative personality, but he also was a big believer in uh, homegrown food. And so he and his wife, one of their biggest pastimes was tending the garden at home in uh, their, their uh, place there near Kingston in, uh, in New York state. So uh, just uh, had a very interesting lifestyle as well as a career that was spanned several decades and was interesting as well. So he, um, he was an artist, which in itself is inherently somewhat bohemian. Uh, he was a musician, 
He liked to grow his own food. Um, he lived in Woodstock, New York, and he died in 1962. You have to wonder if he'd lasted for another eight years or so, what he would have thought of what transpired there, but seven years later. Um, yeah. You have to wonder. Uh, Maybe he would have enjoyed it. I don't he know. He could have been the elder <laughs> statesman of what was going on. That's right. <laughs> well, Bill, it's a pleasure, and it's uh, always a pleasure to have you in naval history. And, uh, you, sure. Make sure you check out this article, folks. It's online. It's uh, Eyewitness to the Battle of the Atlantic. It just published, and um, it's timed. It, the events it describes happened literally 80 years ago, plus a week. Uh, so um, it's a very timely time to re rediscover this artist and the event that he lived through. Uh, and we will be having more things from Bill as the year goes on in the magazines. So stay tuned. Uh, I look forward to that as well. Thank you for joining us, Bill. It's been a pleasure. And, uh, Always a pleasure, Eric. Thank you for having thanks me. Thanks for sharing this beautiful art and this wonderful sea story with us. Sure. I guess that's it for today, folks. Um, I thank you again for joining us for the Naval History Podcast. And until next time, I'm Eric Mills signing off. Best of luck to you and take care.